Welcome to Marin Costello Radio, where we have intentional conversations with impactful people. Your weekly dose of motivation, inspiration, and entrepreneurship. Join me as we explore the ins and outs of building and running a business, interview leaders across all industries, and find the common denominator beneath it all. Welcome to Marin Costello Radio. It is National Small Business Week, and it would only make sense to interview a woman who owns her own small but mighty business and who helps other small businesses bring their visions to life. Kelly Cholodenko is the founder of Something Social, a woman-run, women-led social media agency specializing in lifestyle brands. With an emphasis on strategy, branding, creative content, social media management, and influencer relations, Something Social has worked with over 100 plus notable brands, businesses, and celebrities, including Westfield, Waldorf Astoria, Julianne Huff, and Wild Fox, just to name a few. Callie has taught social media courses at FIDM and has been a featured speaker at, at industry conferences, including Create, Cultivate, and Simply. It is with great pleasure that I introduce to you my sweet friend and brilliant entrepreneur, Callie Chilodenko. Thank you, Marin. What an intro. I want to take you with me everywhere. Just have you read that off. <laughs> sold, sold. I mean, it's so easy to brag about you. How are you? It's, I'm so good. It's so good to see you. Um, you know, I feel like it's been just with the year and this and that and not being able to like see and connect with people, but you know, you're such a gem and I'm excited to, to chat with you. Likewise. I think I talk a lot on this, on this show about how special the women, the community of female entrepreneurs is in Los Angeles. And you and I have only been in person twice in the last three years, four years when we originally That's met. wild. Yeah. And I feel still so close to you and you're so supportive and wonderful. And I mean, we keep in touch on social, of course, but um, it really just is a testament to the beautiful community of women that is in Los Angeles, even though now I'm based on the East coast, it's still, you know, that, that bond still holds very true. Totally. I think there's something it's like, like recognizes like, like you see something in another person and you kind of know, like, I mean, everyone's business is different in the way they run things and their day-to-day and struggles and all of that is so different person to person. But there is a level of like, this woman is like hustling, she's doing her thing, she's building her empire, you know, that I know that there's just a level of like, you said it, like a bond that not everyone who isn't doing that can totally like tap into and understand. So it's always amazing to me when I, I get to connect with, you know, people for that reason. And we were introduced by a fellow badass entrepreneur, female entrepreneur, Brittany Castro, who's just like crushing the finance world and has really (laughs) changed the game for women in finance. So special shout out, Brittany. We love you. I I haven't seen her in years either. So she's the best. um, Very grateful. Very grateful to be connected with you. I think the most important question that will be asked on today's radio show is how in the literal H did you get the Cali handle on Instagram? It's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. That gets brought up all the time. And it's really funny when I first meet someone and they're like, oh, like, what's your Instagram? Let's connect. And I'm like, Cali. And I can see the like, okay, I see you. Um, honestly, it was pretty early on. I mean, this was, I want to say like, four or five years ago, maybe. I used to be Cali Cholo. Um, and, my last <laughs> and I really wanted the Cali and there's not that many, but it was taken. And I kind of had like a friend of a friend. And I swear there was a time where it was like, 
the black market of Instagram handles. And it was like, you had to know someone and if you knew someone and they could get it for you. And I put in a request through this like random email. I honestly don't even know what it was. And funnily enough, I woke up on my birthday and my handle had been changed. So it was like, happy birthday to me at Cali. Um, and I get DMs all the time from random like Cali dot blah, 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 being like, hey, can I get you a username? Nah. <laughs> no, no. No. Like if you only knew in the early days of Instagram, what I went through to get this went thing. through. Yeah, um, exactly. Totally. So you and I met each other in our professional lives. And I mean, we even met initially at a networking event, like a business networking event, um, a conference for our professions, our respective professions. So I'm very curious as to what little Callie was like. Little Callie. It's so funny. You kind of form memories and like, like, I feel like I tell what little Callie was like based on my own memories, but also like what I've been told as, you know, a little child. And like all the things, at least that I've been told is like, I was just doing my thing. I was always doing my own thing. Um, I was a little bossy as, as a little child for sure. Um, I look back at videos and I'm always like dancing and I have like all my grandparents and parents and aunts and uncles just like staring at me. I'm like, oh, cool, cool. Okay. <laughs> um, I did have an, I have an older brother who I love very much. We're very close. He's three years older than me. And we were always just like performing and in costumes and like doing our thing. Um, but a fun fact about me is I would always, when my parents would go to like parent teacher conferences, they'd come back and I'd be like, what did they say? I need to know everything. What did they tell you about me? Like, am I doing well? What do I like? I was very, I guess that was my own interest in like self awareness and self growth. And now looking back on it and knowing who I am now, I really genuinely think that was me trying to like improve upon myself or get to know myself better or know what other people were saying about me because I had such an interest in like what did my teachers tell you about my behavior in, in school and I'm sure they didn't tell me everything but one consistent thing was always like Callie's a leader Callie's a leader and I didn't really know what that meant when I was little I was like but everyone's like this and now I can kind of recognize like oh there was a quality in me even at that age that was quote unquote, a leader. So that's kind of fun. Totally. I asked that because I had a guest on a dear friend, Ripley Raider. I'm not sure if you know Ripley. She's also a badass in, in Los Angeles. No, she said up. this quote, she let this quote, or she said this quote on the show that said, when I asked her the same question, she said, I believe that we all already cooked. And I was like, oh, that's brilliant. Cause I feel like there's even things that I feel that I'm learning about myself now mm -hmm. that my aunt and my mom are like, you've always done that. You've always been like this. And I'm like, oh, interesting. Like, I guess this is really the journey, but I ask yeah. that because I'm, I want to know, you know, kind of, and so do our listeners want to know the vision behind the brand, the person behind the brand, the journey behind the brand. So to learn that you are a born leader, I mean, I could tell you that now, but to know <laughs> that you were like that as a kid, like that only just, it only makes sense. Kind of funny. Yeah. What was your first, what was your first memory of being an entrepreneur? I think I remember like literally being like nine years old and trying to like babysit and make a business and put up signs. And I remember my mom being like, no, you can't put like, I like we lived, I grew up in LA and I remember her being like, no, you can't put signs around the neighborhood with like your phone number and that you're like a nine-year-old girl wanting to babysit. And at the time I really didn't understand that concept. Now, obviously I'm like, thanks mom. Um, 
<laughs> that makes sense. But I always was trying to like do, like, I don't think I considered it entrepreneurial at that age, obviously, but um, I, I remember trying to do that. I remember trying to like, I would organize my mom's closet. And then I remember like seeing that that was a profession. So I was like, Ooh, maybe I could like go to your friend's houses and organize their closets. Like none of it was with the goal at the time of like, I'm going to build a business. But when I think back on all of these little things I tried to do, it kind of, again, it, it all funnels up to, oh yeah, that was that little entrepreneurial spirit within me. What were your hobbies growing up? Or your, did you play sports? So funny that you asked that. So I, I mentioned I have an older brother and when I was growing up, he was always like doing things. Like he did magic. It was lol. Cool. <laughs> he was like really good at magic and he played all these different instruments and he painted. And I always thought like my brother has all these like quote unquote things that he does. And like, I don't have a thing. And I used to always, always, always say that I'd be like, I don't have a thing. Like, yeah, I played an instrument for like a second and then I got over it. But my thing was always like, I had a lot of friends and I was really social and I was always going out and people were always coming to my house and I was planning things. And I remember a new girl transferred to our high school and she called me and she's like, I heard you're the girl to ask, like, where do I go? And it's so funny because even now I'll get DMs being like, hey, I'm going on this trip and I just feel like you'd have recommendations. Like, have you ever been ex you know, to this place or what are the best restaurants in this place? And again, it's like, you don't see yourself how other people see you. But thinking about that too, I think my quote unquote thing, it wasn't necessarily hobbies, but I was just like a born networker, connector, like, you know, making friends or going places, being social, being out was like kind of how I spent my time when I was younger. How did being in LA born and raised, how did that transform the way that you see the world, the way that you see opportunity? Mm -hmm. That's a good one. I mean, I, you know, born and raised in LA and to be honest, I've never lived anywhere else other than when I was in college, my junior year, I went abroad to London and I was there for four or five months. And then I ended up staying an extra just because it was so amazing and I didn't want to come home. So other than six months in London, I've literally lived in LA my whole life. And I would always say like, I, like, I don't, I can't even fathom the concept of living elsewhere or what it's like to grow up and not just be in the center of all the things happening. I think part of growing up here that has absolutely been I benefited in my career and in my just adult life is just the connections and that you make that you don't even realize you're making. Like now I look at so many people or I get referrals or this and that. And it's like this random person that I knew in high school, or that was a friend of a friend in high school, or, you know, the amount of connections that have just come out of growing up here and knowing people here that I definitely like do not take for granted is that you wind up just kind of knowing everyone because LA is big, but it actually is pretty small, especially if you grow up, you know, with different high schools and you're all kind of going to certain things together. Um, I also think it's taken a little bit of the, like, I don't get, you don't get lost in like the hustle and bustle and shine and celebrity and this and that when you've grown up with it your whole life. Like, yes, I'll still get, you know, I might, still get a little starstruck or I'll still see this person and be like, oh, wow, like they've done so much or this is so cool. But in general, I don't think you get kind of wowed or caught up in the scene because when you grow up here, it's just very normal to like be in this world, you know? 
Totally. I was in LA for 14 years and I think around year three, year three or no year two out of college, I thought, oh, this is just like, this is just where everyone lives. So this is just right. normal because <laughs> everyone is someone and, you know, people are doing big things, but you know, those people have to live somewhere and that somewhere is here. So like get used to it. And ultimately everyone's human. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's so true. And I always like my, my family will make fun of me because when we're traveling, I'm like this, like wherever I go, I'm like, this is someone's day in, day out. Like as I'm driving from an airport or as I, you know, travel, just you really get to see like, wow, I wonder what this would be like day in, day out, not just for a week or for a weekend. And admittedly, I know that I don't even know what it's like to live in like another city in California, let alone, you know, elsewhere in the world day in, day out. Um, but for the foreseeable future, I don't really see myself leaving LA. Um, but I, I do think that you get a lot here and you get so many different people and it's just such a nice mix of, you know, you get all sorts of things in LA. It's such a special place. I really, I love that. I love Los Angeles so much. Yeah. Um, walk us through your occupational journey. First, where did you go to college? What did you study? And what is, what was your, your job track record out of, out both in and out of college, including internships? Just curious as to yeah. how you wind, wound up creating this incredible empire. Thank you. Fun story. Um, so I went to USC, stayed in LA. Um, I studied communication. I went in thinking maybe I would do psychology and then assume, cause I'm, I'm just interested in like how people relate to each other. But that once I kind of looked into what the whole, you know, major meant, I ended up minoring in psych and majoring in calm because I realized that psych had an element of that like interpersonal behavior and whatnot but then there was so much like of the biology and neuro and science to it that I just you know wasn't my thing um so I guess in a way I mean I am doing communication I didn't have this vision in mind for myself when I chose that major but I did find it interesting um I had a ton of internships ton 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 of internships and I'm very grateful that I did because it really helped me see what I didn't want um, so, you know, growing up, I feel like, it's like dating, silly, but yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> totally. It's like dating my occupation hundred percent. Um, I, you know, I, I had these concepts of like, okay, so you can be, you know, a doctor, a lawyer, a this, I didn't really know what jobs existed in the world. So yeah. A lot of entertainment, but I just wasn't that aware of like, what, what does it mean to be in PR? What does it mean to be in events? What does it mean to be in production? So I had um, everything from, I interned everywhere from like ABC on a soap opera doing production, which I also realized was not for me, but very, very fun time. I went into fashion PR, events PR, nightlife, celebrity PR, um, hospitality. Like I really tried a lot of different things. And after, you know, three months at each internship, I was like, okay, that was a great experience. Learned a lot, not for me. Um, but I got to start to see what jobs existed. And it's funny, I remember the first time that I actually, something really piqued my interest is I was working at a PR agency that did mostly talent. And there was one small like brand team or brand department. Um, and I was like, oh, this is interesting. Like this person does PR for brands. She's doing like, this is kind of cool. And I didn't really know totally what it was, but I do remember like that piqued my interest. Um, 
So, you know, continued with the internship life, I graduated and I really didn't have a game plan. I graduated in 2013. I was down to hang for a little, down to live at home, down to chill, just like take a minute from college. I wasn't setting up, you know, my job six months before I graduated. I really was ready to just like take a little bit of a break. And um, about two months later, a friend of a friend was hiring and my friend just randomly put me on a group text with this girl and was like, Hey, you know, you two would like each other, you know, Callie's looking for a job, whatever. And it turned out it was a social media agency. And it was at what it was really like, you know, two women who were running social for about four different brands at the time, um, a restaurant, a couple uh, fashion brands. And this was 2013. So it was kind of before I even really understood what that meant. Like, I really had no idea what I'd be doing as a job. And my first day, they texted me on my way in and were like, hey, we have a meeting. Can you go to this restaurant and take a few photos of like this smoothie, this breakfast thing, this croissant, whatever. And I was like, this is my job. Like, what? Huh? I got to just like go to this like bougie restaurant, take photos of a smoothie, take photos of a coffee. And it's so funny because I've actually found those photos and they are so atrocious. But this was before that was a job and that was a thing. And that was like normal. It was, you know, just me and my phone, like sitting, being a weirdo, taking pictures of food. So that was my first entry into social media. And very quickly, I learned that social had this amazing blend of everything I was interested in. It was, you know, branding, marketing, business development, photography, flat lays. Like we were doing flat lays before flat lays were like a thing and writing captions and trying to be witty. And the landscape was so different then. And I'm sure we'll get into that, but that was my first like, oh, this could be the thing that has all of the different, you know, types of topics that I'm interested in all kind of come together and like, cool, maybe this is what I want to do. I love that. How long were you at that job before you branched out into your own company? So I worked um, at this company for six months. And the funny thing is during that time, I had a friend who I just actually talked to for the first time in a long time. And I was like, yeah, shout out to you for helping me do this thing. Um, But they kept saying like, you should do this on your own. You should do this on your own. And I think now it's so incredible. Like every single day, someone's starting a business and every single day there's a new launch of a website or launch of this or launch of that. But at the time, I mean, this was, what, seven, eight years ago, it really wasn't like that. So I don't think I had the wherewithal to even understand what start, what quote unquote, do this on your own would mean. Like to me, I was like, but I I don't know how to like form a business and do tax. You know, there was just all these things that I was like, how do you even set up a bank account for this thing? And what does it look like logistically? And do I need to have a business plan? And I had all these questions that I was like, I don't know how to do any of this. And my friend kept saying like, you really should do this on your own. So about six months in, um, I was going to a spin studio like obsessively um, and they heard I was doing social. And so they were like, listen, we'll give you six months of free spin to do a strategy for us. Now I should say we hadn't, I had never done a strategy. I never done a six month plan, but I think that's where that say yes and figure it out later thing in me came up. And I was like, you know what? great. I'm spending all my money on this, you know, spin studio anyways. Cool. So I said, yes. And I just figured it out. I basically on like a stupid little PowerPoint, which now would be so cringy. I put together what, if I was running their social, here's what I'd recommend you do. 
Um, and it was a little nerve wracking because I think I had that feeling of like, is this enough? Is this comprehensive enough? Is this um, worth what they're giving me? Like I had a lot of those questions come up, but I was like, just do it and, you know, put it together and you, you know how to do this. So go for it. So I presented it to them. They loved it. And they realized they didn't have anyone to execute on it. So they were going to have like a front desk team member do it, but that didn't work. And so they said, you know, we want to offer you a job to do all of our marketing and all of our social. But to me, that involved a lot of other things that wasn't my expertise, like, you know, emails and kind of other, other areas that I just knew weren't my thing. So literally on a whim, I don't even remember what the decision-making process was like for me. I said, why don't, I just start my own company and you guys can be my first client. Um, and I didn't have a business name. I didn't have a business. I mean, I had literally nothing. I was getting personal checks, like to Cali Cholodenko for the first couple months. Um, and they went for it because it was easier for them to hire a vendor versus, you know, and I had to figure out what to charge them, which who knew what to charge. And I just kind of one foot in front of the other, like literally one step in front of the other. And um, that's how it started. That's how this whole thing started. How long and so, ago? Yeah. How long ago was that? So how long ago I was officially, that? I officially took it over in April of 2014. So we just hit seven years. Incredible. Incredible. You. you have a really fun story about creating <laughs> the name of your company. And so I'd love for you to share that with our listeners. Yeah. So, um, I, like I said, I started with a client before I had a business name. I was like, you know, trying to go on all the things, legal zoom, go to the bank, like figure out how to like actually make this thing legit. And I had, I knew I wanted to have social in the name. So I had made this whole list of, you know, all these words with the word social or social and all these words. And surprisingly, there was a lot of things that already existed. Like I wanted to do, um, I remember I had social house as a name and that was taken. There was some things that were already taken. I Googled them, they existed. And I was starting to kind of get frustrated because I was ha I had this business running and I had no name for it. So I was driving and I was talking to myself as one does when they're driving. And I'm like having a conversation with myself. I'm going up Mulholland. I literally remember it like I was in the car. And I'm like, oh, I just need like, something social. That's kind of cute. I like that. And literally that's how it happened. And I immediately like texted a couple people and I was like, what do you think of something social? And people were down for it and it didn't exist. And that's how it happened. That's the best. Um, Sarah Blakely <laughs> says that, you know, she lives a couple minutes, the owner, she yes. says she lives a couple minutes from her home to her office, but she, drives down for an hour, like a quote hourly commute every morning because that's her thinking time. And that resonates with oh, me so, so much funny. because growing up in my professional life in Los Angeles, like you spend so much time in your car. So my car time is like my quiet thinking time. And so to know that you came up with that in your car is so special and also so LA. Oh, LA. It's so true. It's so LA. It's so funny. Um, how many clients do you have currently? And what does your roster, like how many clients do you think you've worked with since, you know, for the last seven years? Um, I'm curious to know, I wanna talk about how you built out your staff in your company, but kind of also talk about how many clients did you have before you started hiring out? 
Yeah, these are these are great questions. So in the early days, um, like I said, I got this this spin studio and um, it was such a community of people that, and I think at the time, like social media as a, as a job was very new. Even still people don't know what I do as a social media manager, but at the time it was so, so, so new that any Instagram that was doing something unique in terms of like content or posting really stood out and it really rose to the top very quickly. So the transition of what Cycle House's Instagram looked like from before we took it over to right after we took it over was so drastic that a lot of people who had been there were like, wait a minute, like what's going on here and who's doing it? And so within my first, I would say honestly, three weeks, I had like four clients because there was a dermatologist, there was a dentist, there was a sports bar. I mean, these were random things at the time, but they were people that followed Cycle House, saw what was happening and were like, I want this. And of course, at the time I'm like, yes, 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 anyone, anyone. So I hired, I mean, pretty, I would say within the first few months, um, I don't remember the exact date, but it was basically like once the time, once it was too much work for me to do on my own, I had to hire. And I had someone who was working with me um, at, at the way beginning and that lasted for about six months. So then shortly thereafter, I think is when I hired like my first person who was um, been with me for like five years, um, which was awesome. But as it was basically like all my hiring would happen when the work got too much for the people to handle. Um, and I remember like, I would go to a coffee with a girl, like someone would reach out to me and be like, Hey, so-and-so said I should reach out to you. Like, it's really cool what you're doing. And I'd come back and be like, well, I hired her because I was just so in need of people. And I didn't know what the interview process should look like. And anyone who was kind of interested in what we were doing, um, you know, I'd go to coffee with them and I'd come home and be like, well, hire my second employee. Well, hire my third employee. And that's kind of how it went in the way, way, way beginning was, you know, client, client, client. Okay. I need to hire client, client, client. Okay. I need to hire. Um, over the years, of course, we've gotten much more strategic in terms of, you know, what the actual need is, what type of person, if it's a more senior, more junior, more entry level, um, and I've been able to navigate that and we have a whole fun interview process and projects and things and all of it. But really at the beginning, it was like, say yes to a client, say yes to an employee and let's just like get this thing done. And it was kind of, you know, quick and dirty. And I feel like that is how a lot of it, people, you know, go in the way beginning. Um, at the, I'd say overall in, in the last seven years, we've probably worked with you know, a hundred, 150 different brands. Um, the majority of our clients, we do work with on a monthly basis for, you know, a year, years at a time, but there are a lot that come on for just strategy product project work, um, influencer work, photo shoots. So, you know, we get a lot of, um, a lot of clients that will just come on board for a month or, you know, have us do like a one-off project for them. Um, currently we have about 25 clients. So, we're managing about, you know, 25 different brands and, and it usually hovers somewhere in the like 20 to 30 range, um, which is, you know, we're pretty comfortable at, at that amount. Amazing. How many, how many people are on your team and what are the different positions? Yeah. So at any given point, um, the team is usually about eight to 10 full time plus about six or seven additional either 
freelance, you know, like an additional resource of a freelance graphic designer and or photographers. Um, we have an amazing roster of photographers that we work with because we do have clients all over the country. And this last year, we actually got a client that has locations um, in about 10 different states. So, you know, needing to source content creators and all of those different places. Um, so the core team's about, you know, eight to 12, depending on kind of where we're at with things. Um, and then another, yeah, six or seven that are not full-time employees, but part of the team. Perfect. Um, what was the most challenging part of, of your career in terms of building your team? I feel like, I mean, at least for me, there's been so many like come to Jesus moments as I've built my team. <laughs> um, so I'm curious, like if there was like, a moment for you or what, what have you found to be maybe like a challenging moment in building your team that has ultimately led to clarity or led to, you know, the silver lining? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Cause it is challenging. I mean, there is no doubt about it that running a business and managing the team and hiring and training and navigating and all of that is one of the more challenging parts, I would say, of being a business owner, for me at least. Um, not necessarily a moment, but I think one of the things that I've had to work through is I started the company when I was 23. And I had no experience owning a business, managing people, hiring people, training people, all of that. And so I really have been figuring it out as I go and putting one foot in front of the other and doing what I think is best. And of course I have advisors and mentors and all sorts of different people that I can ask, you know, questions, but at the end of the day, it is me kind of going through it and learning as I go. And so I think when you're 23, 24, 25, and all of a sudden you're the boss of other 21, 22, 23, 24, 25 year olds, it's this, it's kind of a funny dynamic where am I their boss? Am I their friend? Um, you know, when do I be harsh? When do I be nice? When do I explain something? When am I being passive aggressive? And just understanding how to lead a team where all these people, it's a bunch of, you. I mean, everyone is their own person and has their own dynamics and their own you know, reactions and triggers and motivations and this and that. And I come in with all of my own and they come in with all of their own. And so there's just so many dynamics to that. Um, and for me to, I would have to constantly, I mean, I wouldn't remind myself, other people would have to remind me over and over and over again, like, this is the first time you've done this. You are doing the best you can. You are, you know, gonna make mistakes. You can't have a mistake-free situation. And so, and that's lasted with me. I mean, I'm 30 now, but still that's in there of, you know, when to just really how to manage people and how to keep people motivated and how to make it clear when someone does do something, that's an issue, um, you know, how to, how to handle that. And I think too, just realizing like, I am not my business. I am so much more than a business owner. Yes, something social is like my baby and my livelihood and my whole thing, but it's not who I am. And if an employee leaves or they stay or they love it or they, you know, complain about it or they, whatever that is, like, I have to know who I am outside of, you know, me as the boss. Um, so that's not necessarily a moment in time, but it's certainly an element of this whole journey. When did you have that aha moment? Because for me, 
I mean, my brand is eponymous, so it's slightly different, but it's very easy to, and I also kind of necessary in the beginning stages to live and breathe and be your brand, right? Yeah. So how long into building your company did you have that separation of church and state? Yeah, that's a, that's, I mean, listen, I don't think I'm there. I don't think I've arrived. I don't think, <laughs> you know, but I, part of my- It's the my journey, goal, not the destination. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, I spend a lot of time, like I work on myself a lot outside of this. My, you know, I find it fascinating to like, just work on myself and discover who I am. And, you know, that's a big piece. Like my self-development is a big piece of my world. And this is a topic that comes up all the time in that is remembering that I am not my business. And if it all fell apart tomorrow, I'm still me and I'm still separate from it. Um, I think I've had some beautiful opportunities that at the time felt really hard and challenging and painful where I would hear something that an employee said or someone would leave and have this opinion. And it was really hard for me to not be like, how do you not know? that that's not true? Or how do you not know how much time I spend, you know, fighting with my advisors because I do want to do more for my employees, or I do want to do this, or it's like, people don't get to see that. And so I've just had to learn kind of, again, at times very painfully, like people can say what they want and think what they want and that's their experience. And there's nothing I can like do or say that's going to change that. I just have to know who I am outside of that. Um, so again, I think it's a, I think it's an ongoing learning for me. Um, but the more that I become, the more I learn who I am, I mean, seven, 23 to 30 is like a pretty, I don't know, growthful time in your life. And the more that I know who I am, I think the better I can then show up in the business and be real and be authentic and be me and end up getting better results when I'm not trying to be a certain way or how I think, you know, a client wants me to be. It's funny. I feel like every year in my twenties felt like 10 years. And some people yeah. were like, Oh, my twenties were my, you know, that was my prime. I would go, I, I would wish I, I would go back to that decade. No one would have to pay me. And I'm like, I would actually pay you to not for me to not go back to my twenties because right. when you are on that journey of self-development and when you have the wherewithal to know that that's part of the process or could be part of your process of existing on this planet and, you know, going through those motions, it can be a lot. Yeah. It can be a lot. What does, what does self-awareness and your self-care look like when you say that you work on yourself? That's a very spiritual woo-woo LA thing to say. And I totally get it, but for maybe our <laughs> listeners, for, I mean, cause, cause honestly, same, cause on a daily basis, like same, yeah. uh, but curious if, if there maybe are people who are listening, who don't understand what quote doing the work is on oneself. What does that look like for you? Yeah, that's a great question. And I, I definitely, that's, I mean, talk about like LA bubble talk. That's something that I, you know, thank you for bringing that up. Cause I forget, you know, everyone here is like crystals and meditation and whatnot, but um, meditation is a big part of my life. It has been for the past, I'd say four ish years more seriously. Um, I don't know how I would function in the world or have a wherewithal or have any level of like groundedness if it wasn't for meditating, um, whether that's an LA thing or not. I think it's kind of cool that there are a lot, like I think meditation is becoming more mainstream and people are getting, you know, it's a little bit more accessible and there's apps. I personally don't use any apps um, for it, but just making, giving myself that like 
time to just settle. I feel like I'm go, go, go 24 seven. And, you know, I'm listening to things. I'm watching TV. I'm listening to podcasts. I'm working. I'm on my email. I'm on my phone. I'm on Instagram. I'm scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. And if it wasn't for like the, the moments of just like sitting and settling and focusing on my breath and watching my thoughts and, you know, carving out that time, I feel like I would be so much less settled and grounded. And it's really only in the quiet times that I feel like I hear my own voice and my own thoughts. Cause there's just so much coming at us all the time. There's so much content in the world, like so much input that sometimes at the end of the day, if there is a quiet moment, I'm like, whoa, like, has there been one second today where I've just been with myself and not with the podcast or the this or the that or the email or the Slack or the, you know, the client or this. And, and yeah, so, I mean, that's kind of what I mean. I also like therapy is a big, been a part of my life. I think that's again, like talk about preach girl. Yeah. Preach. Yeah. Wanting to like know yourself, learn yourself, know what, you know, to work on. So I'm definitely not shy about that either. Same. I mean, I started my like therapy journey, I want to say like three years ago and it has transformed my life. Um, And it's funny because there's some weeks where I go and I'm like, I have this laundry list of things to talk about. And the epiphanies aren't as great as the days where I'm like, I'm fine. Everything's great. There's nothing to talk about. And then we uncover all these things and I'm like, you know, sobbing like out of the count for the rest of the day. Like, you know, it's just, it's so transformative. Um, Did you have any capital to start your business? No, I- Or like investors- nothing. I, it's so funny at the beginning, I remember thinking about that. Cause you hear like, Oh, capital to start a business. And I didn't even, I, I literally remember looking at my friend being like, what do you, what would I even spend the money on? Like, what would I even do if someone did hand me, you know, a hundred thousand dollars? Like what would I do with that money? It was literally my phone, my laptop and my brain. And that was it. And I, I remember like people would always ask me that. And again, I wasn't so in the know. Like I think now there's so much that gets talked about, about like raising and capital and venture and this and that, but you know, it just wasn't on my radar as much at the time of like what starting a business even means. And so when I say I put one foot in front of the other, I literally mean like one day I went on legal zoom and like filed all the things I need to file. And another day I like walked into Wells Fargo and was like, hi, I need a business account. You know, like, I mean, it was literally one foot in front of the other and no money, no capital, nothing like that. I mean, I should say, of course, like in, you know, high school, college, my parents supported me. So that's definitely a piece of this whole thing that I was able to, you know, have that. Um, but in terms of, I mean, my business was profitable, like literally day one, because it was just, money was coming in from retainers and whatnot. And then the only overhead we had for a while was like our people. Um, And then as we just continued to grow and scale, you know, again, we were, you know, we had all this income from clients and then I would spend it accordingly. Um, But when it came to, I mean, I remember going to like the 40th floor of this building in Century City to pitch our first, like, oh my God, major client. And it was literally me and my laptop and my cell phone. And when I tell you how scary that PowerPoint was, there was pink backgrounds, there was shadow effects, 
there were little polka dot borders. Like it was so scary. And the fact that we even got this client is so shocking. Um, but I guess we just had a skill set that they needed. I don't know. I recently moved two months ago and I'm still in the process of uncovering things in boxes. I mean, the, my life is pretty much unpacked, but as far as like memory boxes and I have one particular box because I've been making jewelry since I was seven and I found my first business card, Callie, when I tell you that this was the most horrendous piece of artwork. I mean, yeah, I was a nugget, but it was like pre-made PowerPoint, something like we're docu- I mean, there were, it was like, I think it was- Yeah, but like how you and- like little Marin. Oh, what an angel. I mean, adorable, but also like I, when you said PowerPoint and polka dots and pink colors, I was like, girl, I feel that on like such a visceral level because (laughs) I just found the same thing in my business. You mentioned that you have a mentor or an advisor. I'm curious what that relationship looks like and how one, how you would recommend one going about getting a mentor or an advisor. Yeah, this is an interesting one for me because my journey with that has been probably a little bit different than most. I So in the beginning, um, when I first started my business, I had, it was funny, there were a lot of PR firms or agencies that that not overlapped with ours, but that I started meeting really quickly because social media agencies were such a new thing, but most people had PR firms. So any client that we got, I mean, not the little small ones, but like you know, we started getting like national clients pretty early on, which is kind of wild. Um, And they, a lot of them had come through a PR firm. And so very early on, I started getting connected to all these PR firms, or they would want a relationship with me because their clients were asking for social and they wanted to refer us. And still to this day, that's a big piece of of how we get business. But I saw a lot of them were female owned. And in the beginning, I would just kind of ask different women, like, you know, Hey, can we go to lunch. Hey, can we go to coffee? Like, and I would kind of try to not do the, like, pick your brain thing, but also kind of do the pick your brain thing of like, you know, what, just ask them like different sorts of questions. And one thing that was kind of a bummer that I, I realized was happening is in the beginning, I feel like they were so open and friendly and this and that. And then as soon as like my business was growing, I would feel a lot of them almost like pull back or get a little bit stingier with answering questions or just things started to shift a little bit in those dynamics. And I thought that that was kind of interesting and it always kind of bummed me out. So now like I'll get so many people asking, you know, DMing me, asking me random questions. And I'm like the first one to be like, sure, this is what we do. This is how we do it. And of course there's an element of like, you know, you can't teach someone everything in like, you know, overnight. But DM. This, exactly. But like at this stage, it's like, there are so many businesses doing social media. If I were to tell you every single thing about how we do it, it still wouldn't matter because you, you know, in another state or even in another city, even in LA going after different types, there's just so much business to go around. And I think that's an, a very like abundant mindset versus like the scarcity of like, oh God, if I tell her something, she's going to know my secrets. And so that was kind of interesting is no one ever kind of stuck as like this one go-to person, but I certainly had a handful of, you know, badass women running their businesses that I could like 
ask a question about a proposal or, you know, send something to and be like, is this what this is supposed to look like? Like literally, I mean, unless you're Googling what's a proposal, like how is anyone supposed to know what a deck is supposed to look like, what a pitch is supposed to look like. So I was kind of just navigating as I go, but my main business advisor, and this is such a fun story. I was actually set up on a date with this guy and I was like 23, 24. And we go on a date and he starts like asking me questions about my business. And I'm like telling him all this stuff. And he just like really took an interest and uh, ended up being to this day, like the most valuable business advisor I probably have had. Um, I still go to him for like every question under the sun. We've worked on a couple things together. We just did a pitch together, which was really fun. And we did date for a minute and then we stopped and now we're friends, but, um, <laughs> he's probably like my main go-to. So that's probably not the most conventional way I would say to go about getting a business advisor. But also very LA. <laughs> <laughs> also, you know, the more stories I'm telling, the more I'm like, man, you want to, I am an L- I am LA. Mm. I am a byproduct of Southern California. No, I get it. I totally, I totally understand that even with my lifestyle now being in Florida, I'm like, oh, I'm a California girl as much as I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I could, you know, I'm like East coast hustle, but like, you know, raised on the West coast. I'm like, nope, I'm, I'm from California. Yeah. Um, where do you get <laughs> your, do you have any sources for business information, social media, people that you follow, any sort of books that you would recommend, you know, for someone either in your industry or you know, just in the business scene in general? Yeah, there's a, I think, I mean, listen, you know, you Google literally anything these days and there are so many resources out there. Um, I think for just like day-to-day social media tips, um, I think Later does a great job. Um, We actually have some team members who are here that have worked either currently or have worked at Later, but um, I think Later Media does a great job of just keeping things like very, on trend, top of mind. They're always putting out content. They're always on top of like the latest and greatest, you know, how to use this new platform. Um, So I think that's a good one. In terms of books, I, one of my, well, I don't know that this is necessarily a business book, but like one of my favorites is Ariana Huffington's Thrive. I feel like that's just a great like mindset and I don't know. I, I read that book and it kind of just like shifted a couple things for me and how I think. Um, there's, I'm like, oh, I need to pull up my Audible and see what books I listen to. Um, there's some that are like how to be a great boss or how to lead or something like that that I've listened to that are great. Um, I might have to get back to you on this one. No worries. You mentioned um, a couple platforms, Slack, Asana, my team, we use Monday, we use Slack. What are your core apps and core programs that you use to keep everything organized in your business? Yeah. So literally live, breathe, die by Slack and Asana. We would not be able to function without those two. Um, For those of you who don't know, Slack is like a messaging platform. So instead of like, it's so funny to me to think and shout out to, I think it was one of my employees that was like, we need to be on Slack because at the time we were literally texting and emailing everything. And that was just like a nightmare. Um, So Slack lets you basically message, you know, all day long from phone or email, and you can also set up different channels. So like every client has a channel. So anyone who works on that client, we can just message there. Or if it's like my entire team, one-on-one, the team can message each other. Um, You can send files back and forth. So that's like a couldn't live without. 
um, Asana is what we use for task management. So basically any, you know, keeping track of to-dos, tasks, you can have um, attachments, you can link things. It's like the most comprehensive way of basically project management. A comparable one would be Basecamp. Basecamp and Asana are very similar. And then Trello is another one that a lot of people use. I just like the user experience of Asana the best. And I think for what we do, it's, you know, the most beneficial. Um, we also, Google Drive is like our hub for everything. Um, we have shared, again, and like very organized, you know, shared folders for every single client. Um, we have shared Google Drives that we share with the client that everything is editable and they can access. And it's funny, we've, you know, either taken over clients um, from other agencies or passed them on. And it's always really interesting for me to see how other team members like share certain things. And I think the easier you make it for the client, the happier they're going to be because they're able to, you know, it's not like this whole new system that they need to use. So using something like a Google Drive, it's just really easy. Um, Dropbox is another one we can't live without. We have so many photo shoots and photo assets and this and that that we kind of need like a big central hub. Um, and then I have all my fun like apps and just because people ask me all the time, I'll share these with you as well. My go-to editing apps are Tezza for photos and videos. Um, Tezza is like an influencer, but her app is unreal. It's amazing. Super easy to use. Visco is another one. Lightroom's another one. And then for stories, I use Unfold um, and Mojo are two good ones. And then for feed planning, we either use Unum or Planoly. Amazing. I hope everyone's taking notes. <laughs> I'm going to say. Um, right. Um, but same. I mean, we implemented our project management platform and Slack, I want to say within the last year. And, you know, the promo says, you know, it'll increase your, your productivity by 30%. I'm like, no, we're in the 70 to 80% range. It 100%. is a game changer. Yeah. Game, game changer. changer. Personal question. Do you take weekends? I'm curious how you create boundaries in your life. <laughs> I want to know personally Ball. and selfishly <laughs> how you create boundaries so that I can take notes. This is about me, me right now. Kelly. Uh, huh, what's a boundary? Hmm. Um, no, it's a, that's a, that's a good question. And I think that that would be like an evolving answer forever and a lifetime. Um, I'm pretty much honestly always available. There's very few, like, I always have my phone on me. Um, I always have a level of expectation that evenings or weekends, something's going to come up. Social media has never been nine to five. It will never be nine to five. Um, it's just not how it works. There are certain clients like, yes, I have an incredible team and I'll, I'll get to them in a second with that. But there are certain clients that forever will only want me and only want to text me and only want to email me. And I just know that that's part of the job. Um, of course, I can go to dinner and leave my you know phone in my bag. But truthfully, there's always no question. There's always an element of when I look at my phone in two hours, there could be an, oh, uh, like an, oh my God, I can't believe, you know, this is happening or I miss this or there's a whatever. Um, it's, it's a very big reality to it. I would say like, I'm not glued to my computer all weekends. It's not like I'm sitting at my desk nine to five on a Saturday or Sunday, but I don't think I could tell you the last day in seven. Well, pretty much couldn't tell you the last time where there was zero. There was absolutely not one thing that I had to do that day. 
Um, my team is incredible. And without them, life would be a lot different. And, you know, I, there's a, an element of things that they take care of and that they handle on the weekends for sure. Um, and I've learned over time to really prioritize like, okay, what can wait till Monday and what needs to be done today. Um, and if I'm on, you know, I said, I meditate, I go on retreats a lot. If I'm on like a meditation retreat of some sort, I'll give them a heads up. Like guys, I'm not going to be available. These are the hours. These are the times. Um, I don't know if that really answers the question, but I, I pretty much am on call, not like a doctor. I know I'm not doing brain surgery. I'm very aware it's just social media, but you know, to our clients, it is kind of emergency stuff. No, I get it. I only ask because I'm very adamant about creating boundaries for my staff. I'm like, amazing, leave, have a great weekend, like live your life. But I'm like, hmm, who's telling me that? No one. <laughs> right, right. No, it's it's so true. And it's figuring out like, what is that balance between, you know, wanting to be the type of leader, the type of boss that's like, no, balance, you know, enjoy your life. Things are more important than work. And then also being like, well, wait a minute, you're here to do a job. And like, I'm supposed to be the one that's creating this freedom for myself. And yet I'm the one that's like, no, 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 I'll handle the nighttime thing. You go live your life. It's, it's a tough balance. Yeah, it is. Um, I just feel like the, the mothering female nurturing element comes in where I'm like, no, enjoy, yeah. enjoy, have so yeah. much fun. And then I'm like, oh yeah, I'm like mama hen over here. Um, but totally. I wouldn't change it. I mean, I don't, do you see yourself ever working for someone again? Ah. Listen, never say never. I think I'm very open to like what happens in my lifetime. Um, I think it's very silly for me to think that I know what's going to happen in the world. And like, I wouldn't have predicted this seven years ago. I have no idea what the next seven years will look like. Um, if you were to ask me right now, will I ever work for someone? I would probably say no, because I don't know how I'd be able to do that after what I've you know been doing up until this point. But again, like, you know, we've had a couple over the years, we've had acquisition offers and we've had this and that and nothing's ever felt. And I don't have a goal in mind. I don't have an end goal. I'm not building this to sell it. I'm not um, building this to get to hundred employees. Like there's, there's really none of that. I I've always operated as like being open to what comes and then kind of figuring it out. So if that means staffing up, if that means shifting things, if that means, um, you know, whatever that means, I'll be ready for it and I'll be open to it and I'll navigate it when the time comes. So I don't see myself working for anyone else, but I guess you never know what's going to happen in life. So we'll see. The two words that came to mind, the two words that came to mind when you were just speaking are surrender and permission. And I just want to applaud you as, you know, a fan, but also a friend that that Aww. is such an attractive and impressive quality that you have the, the idea of giving yourself permission to kind of navigate life as, as it comes at you. And also the concept of surrender. And, you know, if this, you know, talking about absorbing yourself into brand or, you know, an identity, having an identity out of your work, I think that that's so, that idea of surrender is so beautiful. Um, so you are so welcome. What is next for Callie Chiladenko and something, something social? What's next? You know, I feel like all the time, everyone's like, what's the next this? And what's the next platform? And da, 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 da. And I think I heard, I don't know if it was Gary Vee or someone years and years ago say like when, you know, email came out or when this came out and it was like, well, how are you? It's like, we'll deal with it when it comes. So same kind of thing that I was just saying in terms of the business, like, okay, fine. If a new platform comes out or a new this or new that, like, yeah, we'll handle it as it comes. I think that there's a lot of interesting things. Obviously everyone's talking crypto and this and that. And 
it's kind of blending into social and NFTs and we'll see how that goes. And I'm, you know, that could be a whole thing and let's see and who knows, but I still, I still operate by like, we'll see what happens. I think we're, you know, constantly getting new brands and new clients and we have some exciting ones in the works right now. And I think as those happen and as those come again, we like shift and grow accordingly and hire accordingly. And I mean, my goal for the foreseeable future is to just kind of keep this thing going, continue to like service our clients, continue to do the best that we can. Um, I think social, I mean, this last year on social has been absolutely wild and bananas and, you know, it's definitely shifted some things in terms of strategy and how brands can speak and, you know, what's important to say and not say. And there's a lot as the world ideology shifts, like so too to social. And I think we're just going to keep on keeping on, um, you know, and yeah. So wonderful. Where can we find you off of this podcast? So I am, as we've discussed, I am at Cali, uh, my first name. And then um, the agency is at something social on Instagram. Those are probably our main areas. Um, something social LA.com is our website. And that's amazing. Well, I adore you. You are such an impressive human inside and out. So thank you so much for sharing your story and your wisdom with us here. I'm so, so proud to have you on the show. Well, I adore you. And this whole time I've been like, man, I wish I could just ask these questions back to Baron. So we'll have to do like the reverse of this because I want to know your answers for a lot of these, but you're a gem and such a light. And it's wild to me that we've only been in person those few times, because I feel like you're just such a like, you know, warm and welcoming and it's just been so wonderful to talk to you you're so sweet well yeah maybe we'll have you on and, and you can host a show <laughs> let's do it <laughs> done and done well that was such a fun and informative show catching up with Callie a massive thank you to Callie for being on the show another thank you for dash to dash radio for hosting this podcast and to our producers at island city media group for making the show come to life if you like what you hear, please sure please be sure to subscribe, like, and comment on the Marin Costello Radio Podcast on Apple and Spotify. And lastly, if you'd like to connect with me offline, you can find me at Marin Costello and Marin Costello Radio on Instagram. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Have a wonderful weekend, and we will see you next week. <laughs>